Kira Kira names. Okay, so what is Kira Kira? If I'm going to use any Japanese, I figure I have to explain it. Kira Kira is, is, is sparkly or shiny or something like that. So I'm, I'm assuming like when you collect Pokemon, there's Kira Kira Pokemon. It's special shiny Pokemon. A Kira Kira name is therefore an unusual name. They have rules in place about what names you can use for children. It primarily comes down to the kanji. Uh, kanji is the Chinese characters. So I want to name my child. There's essentially an approved list of names that I can use. I can't call my kid demon. I can't use offensive or derogatory words. That's always been in place. There have been over the last few years, I remember some of the students that I have making a presentation about Kira Kira names. And it was a lot of stuff from anime. So it was like some kids named Pikachu, some kids named Naruto, some kids named like Luffy, that kind of stuff. So these were anime fans who decided that their anime fandom was so important that they would actually name their child after anime. The Japanese government's like, mm, we're not cool with this anymore because they are saying that these kind of weird or fancy names uh, are bad for kids. So they want to make some new rules. Basically, names that make other people uncomfortable are not going to be okay. So if you want to name your kid Pikachu or like an anime character, when you meet that person in real life, so hello, my name is Peter. The other person goes, hello, my name is Pikachu. I go, oh, fuck, that's weird. That name might not be approved by the government. You cannot use names that are easily confused by the kanji reading. So basically, you have different ways Jap Chinese characters can be read in Japanese. And so you can play with those sounds. So I'll choose this one and this one, and I'll use this sound and this sound. It's very complicated, actually. Uh, so I can make a sound that means the opposite of the words you're looking at. That's not okay. So let's say I want, my name is Peter. When I came to Japan, of course, one of the first things I want to know is how do you write Peter in Japanese? So they choose, they use katakana, which is a phonetic sound in Japanese. So my name is Pita, which is fine. It's pretty close. But then not really understanding the system, I'm like, well, what kanji would be used for Peter? But Peter doesn't mean anything in Japanese. So there is no kanji. There is no Chinese character that would relate to it. So the, my students, you know, they were just having fun. They're like, ah, well, the P, there's, there's this, like, this character kind of makes a P sound if you use it this way. And this one is uh, ta, so you can use that. And it was devil T. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. But you couldn't use devil. If you actually wanted to register this name, you couldn't use the devil part of that as part of my name. So the example that I read, I think this was some sort of news, said like if you want to use Chinese characters that make the sounds Maikeru, as in Michael, that's not okay. Because it's very easily misread because the Chinese characters have set sounds. And that's not how they're normally used. In Japan, you're going to have to pick from a list of kanji, and there are sort of set readings that you're going to have to use, or those names will not be registered by the government. Uh, it still means there's thousands and thousands of names to choose from. So over the next year, if this rule goes into place, 
the heads of family. So when you have a house or a family and stuff, you have to register the, the head of the household. Uh, the head of the family is going to have to report the family name, so I'd have to write down all the kanji, all the Chinese characters that are used, uh, and how they are read. And if I've messed around too much, those will not be registered. So basically what they're saying is, if I don't report my family's names accurately over the next year, the government's going to assign. So I, I let's say I. The, the, so I've already had kids. I've already chosen the the Chinese characters for my kids. Those have been registered. What they actually want you to do is send in how those are read to the government. If you don't do it within the next year, the government will assign the reading to the name. So you could actually have the government naming your children if you don't take sort of the initiative and actually report it yourself. That's an interesting problem. So maybe my kid's three years old, four years old. He's learned his name. Uh, and then the government's like, that's not how you read those kanji. That's not how you read those Chinese characters. You are going to have to call your child this other name from now on because that's how it's properly read because you didn't register it properly. Or you tried to play with the system. There is no system that humanity is involved in where they don't try to like push the boundaries or, or bend the rules to see if they can get away with it. That's just sort of human nature. Japanese government, when it comes to names, they're not messing around. They are honestly just like, no, we're locking it down. You got to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, we're going to tell you your own child's name. A couple weeks ago, we talked about a shogi player. The shogi player was not wearing his mask properly. Basically, he had his mask over his mouth, but his nose was sticking out. That's something that people who don't really like masks do to kind of game the system. Because they can technically say, I'm wearing a mask because I have it over my face. Uh, but my nose is sticking out, which of course defeats the purpose of wearing a mask. I think we all know that. Who knew that shogi players would be pedantic? Which kind of the phrase that runs through my head every time I hit this kind of story. Uh, he left the tournament. He was actually booted out of the tournament for not wearing his mask pro properly. He said he would file a legal complaint. Uh, he had three consecutive disqualifications for not wearing a mask properly while playing shogi. Uh, and now he's received a three-month suspension. So this professional shogi player... I mean, once you get disqualified twice you should realize they're not messing around. You're going to get disqualified again if you do it again. He did it again. He, again, sort of like the previous story, what are the rules? Let's push the boundaries. Let's see how much trouble I can get into before I actually get into too much trouble. He claims that the temporary coronavirus rules do not say you must not expose your nose. And even if you expose your nose, oh, this, this is his quote. So I'm like, sorry, I kind of messed that up. His quote is that you, the, the rules do not say you must not expose your nose. And even if you expose your nose, there will not be any droplets as you are not talking during the match. The ruling is absurd. So he's saying that the rules don't specifically say that the, the mask must cover your nose. Therefore, he can wear a mask that does not cover his nose. Uh, this is, again, spirit of the law versus letter of the law. The letter of the law says you must wear a mask. It does not say how you have to wear a mask, so I could put it on the top of my head. Oh, I'm wearing a mask. We saw a lot of this in America when the anti-maskers were going around trying to like make fun of people wearing masks. There were people wearing like lace masks that had gigantic holes in them, obviously doing nothing. 
Uh, they called them face diapers. I remember all that. This guy's obviously in the same genre of person, I guess. But he is, again, talking about suing them. But I think that's not going to... I don't think he realizes, like, this is not an argument he can win. The rule said wear a mask. They, the governing body of Shogi is going to decide what is appropriate when it comes to wearing a mask. You got to wear a mask. Weirdly, I am not surprised that Shogi players are kind of dicks. I don't know what that says about me or about Shogi players, but again, to me, uh, chess players being pedantic and annoying seems on brand. Does that make me a bad person? I wonder. I wonder if what I've done is stereotyped uh, chess players. <laughs> Jade is putting the bit, nah, they're dicks. Which, okay, at least I am not alone in my feeling about uh, essentially pedantic people. Okay, so we've also, in every country now, had a, a balloon story. So spy balloon. So America had found a spy balloon. Uh, it was floating around. They shot it down. Uh, now it's come out that there's a whole bunch that have floated around America in the past. Uh, same things happened in Japan. We've seen spy balloons. This has led to a, a couple of interesting statements by China. China denies that the balloons in Japanese airspace were Chinese. So they're saying, yes, maybe you saw some balloons, but they were not Chinese balloons. Therefore, you should not be angry. Japan said, like, look, we find stuff in our airspace. We should be able to shut it, shoot it down. So they're actually now uh, talking about what should they do. We find a balloon in our airspace. Are we going to shoot it down? How do we shoot it down? You know, what's the best way to shoot it down? Uh, they have to get permission from the government, and that permission then has to get also uh, relate to the Japanese self-defense force. But they're saying, basically, if there is an object in our airspace and we can shoot it down safely, we think we're going to start shooting it down pretty safely. Like, they don't want it to crash into, like, a town or something and actually hurt somebody. China then says, we are opposed to attacks against China without proof. Now, they just previously said, it's not a Chinese balloon. Maybe it's a North Korean balloon. Maybe it's a, a balloon from another country. And Japan's like, oh, we're going to shoot it down. They're like, well, you would stop attacking China. And they're like, well, wait a minute. If it's not a Chinese balloon and we shoot it down, we're not really attacking China, are we? So there's a little uh, dichotomy. I, I don't know if that's really the right word. There's, there's a logical fallacy happening in the Chinese side of the arguments of this, as in, it's not a Chinese balloon, but we really don't think you should be attacking China by shooting it down. So how is shooting down, let's say, a Korean, North Korean spy balloon down an attack on China? So it's interesting that, again, they don't see any problem with saying sort of contradictory statements. Then they demanded that Japan stop following U.S. propaganda. Um, because... Of course, the Americans are saying that the balloons that are floating around are Chinese as well. I'm assuming at this point they know whether it is or not. From this point forward, we've done all the actual good news. Almost everything else is either violent or gross. So this is your warning going forward, maybe a trigger warning. Uh, it's people beating each other up and uh, uh, gross men. It's all men. I, okay... You want to talk about sexism, 
I you what I try to do with my notes is go from least amount of poop and sexual assault to most amount of poop and sexual assault. That's kind of the the logic I use. So I use the all the stories we've just done are relatively clean international politics, and now it gets violent and dirty. That's either what people come here for or where they should stop the podcast. But let's go. So I got two robbery stories. There was a man robbed a convenience store. He got 50,000 yen, say like 500 bucks to do the quick math. So, I mean, that's actually a pretty good haul for convenience store robbery, but also not really worth it in my opinion. He then went around to three other convenience stores in a 700 meter radius, which actually just really tells you how many convenience stores there are in Japan, and tried to rob them. All those people refused, and he didn't get anything else. In one of the stores, he went to a different store during his crime spree and tried to pay his phone bill, but then didn't have money or something. When he was arrested, he said the reason he robbed these stores is because he was in a bad mood. He, the, the literal translation I got from the internet was he was in a foul mood, so he robbed convenience stores. Now that is a, an interesting way to do some sort of anger management because... I guess it's not anger management. It's just expressing your anger. There was a second man, completely different story, went to the convenience store, he wanted to go to the toilet, and someone else went into the toilet first and took too long. The man comes out of the toilet, goes outside. The dude cranks him in the face two or three times. So he beats him up. The guy's wallet falls out, so he steals his wallet. When he was arrested, he said he didn't beat up the man in order to steal his money. He beat up the man because he took too long in the toilet. And again, I tend to like look at these stories and go like, let's look at the logic. Which is worse? Is it worse to beat someone up to steal from them? Or is it worse to beat someone up because they just took too long in the toilet and you were annoyed? I feel like beating someone up for their money is actually less worse because... Yes, it's all evil and terrible, but it has a purpose. It has a reason. Whereas beating someone up because they took too long in the toilet actually has no reason. Like that's how I feel about it. Like that, there, there, there was no logic behind that. You're just like, ah, that guy annoyed me, so I beat the shit out of him. Yes, so Jade just put in the chat. I beat him up and happened to take his wallet because it was on the ground is what his defense is. I'm wondering if maybe there is a secondary crime, like... Beating someone up is a crime, but beating someone up and stealing from them is worse. Because I've actually found that many times in the past in Ninja News Japan, where they try to say, I did A, but I did not do B. So like, I stabbed him, but I wasn't trying to murder him so that I get assault charges, not murder charges. That kind of stuff happens a lot. I'm wondering if the guy, this guy knows the law enough to know that I beat him up is actually not as bad as I beat him up and tried to steal from him. So maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he's just trying to offset the actual charges he's going to be given. I feel gross. I've done so many, this is like 200 some episodes in Ninja Japan. I have done so many sort of dudes being gross sexually. It's such a common story in Japan. I've actually started to like not want to do them, but then it is the bit that people find interesting. It's just how many weird sex stories there are. So I, these two are kind of together. There was a Kyoto man who was arrested recently, 
And over 12 years, he made 150 million yen. That's $1.1 million. Uh, and he claims this is how he made his living. And the way he made his living was between, well, for the last 12 years, he was taking upskirt videos and uploading them online. So he was going up escalators. He basically put a smartphone in the front of his bag, so probably on the inside and cut a little hole where the camera is. And then he would hold it so that he could take videos of the woman standing in front of him on the escalator and take those videos and then post them online for money. Uh... And he made $90,000 a year. Between 2021 and 2022, they now have him filming 112 different women. So he's been arrested because of the anti-nuisance ordinance, because filming up people's skirts is a nuisance. Uh, I actually think that should be escalated to sexual assault. I think that's actually what he should do. And they give him a much stricter sentence. The sheer volume of it is what is disgusting. Like, I guess once is not any worse than three, four, five hundred times. But, yeah, no, I, now I'm stuck in a loop. Is like, is there one worse? No, they're both bad. You shouldn't do it at all. Anyways, we, we all kind of agree you should not do it at all. Uh, it's the thing that he made that much money off it. He made a million dollars. Now, it was over 12 years. But his salary annually is bigger than my salary doing on his work, which kind of bothers me. But I think the bit... I'm confused by is like porn is free on the internet and upskirt videos as good as they may be are not good like you can I guess my point is you can kind of see whatever you want on the internet for free why are people paying this guy how did he make 1.1 million dollars maybe 10 years ago it was more of a unique thing but I'm guessing they're not paying for the video itself they're paying for the like the invasion of the person, which is why this is so gross. Because, again, the upskirt video is not going to show you very much. It's not going to be particularly sexual. What they're paying for is the woman to be violated, which is how gross men are. Uh, the exclu- So Jade has put in the exclusivity and the fact that they don't know, didn't want it done exactly. So that's kind of exactly what I'm saying. It's the violation of the person is the thrill is what they're paying for. And I guess maybe, again, it's so confusing to me because I'm like, it's not a very good video. But I am not into the concept or the idea of violating another person for sexual pleasure. Uh, but, of course, in Japan... That's kind of a thing. Voyeurism is a thing. And that takes us into our next story. I'll do the sound. Because it is a new story. 16 men were arrested for filming over 10,000 women in hot springs across Japan over the last 30 years. So I don't know how this thing came about. They didn't give us the background. But these guys, basically this one guy, 20, 30 years ago, he's like, I like to look at ladies bathing. That's sort of a trope in Japan. And it's actually very hard to do. So what they would do is they'd go up on mountains, because uh, a lot of the hot springs are in mountains. They'd go up in the mountains and get telephoto lenses and video them from there. And then they'd have little weird parties where they would show each other the videos. And what they would do is cut them together. So this was almost like a video editing skills group. And they would put in like little dirty comments and stuff, which I assume get off the other guys who are watching the videos with you. The ringleader started about 20 years ago. He connected with 100 other voyeurs and 
all hundred, all sixteen men, sixteen men have been arrested, and these sixteen men include doctors, a doctor from Tokyo, company executives, local government officials. So yeah, they would get expensive telephoto lens, uh, have little porn parties, and watch them together. I assume and, and jerk each other off. I'm not sure. Uh, the resorts are very concerned about this because this story gets out. They've already been hit by hard by Corona. They're not getting enough, a lot of people coming because of Corona. And now there's this second layer of women might not feel safe going into the hot spring when if it's open air. Because one of the appeals of the hot spring is that it's out in the open. You're kind of in nature. They put a fence up, but you can then still enjoy nature. You're outside, but you're in the hot spring. It's really nice. They're going to have to put like essentially a dome over it or something, which is really sad because I love going to the hot spring and I've never tried to look over the fence into the women's side, which again is sort of a Japanese trope and like kids do it. But these guys have just ruined that for everyone. Uh, And the thing, the sad thing is they've kind of ruined bathing culture is a big deal in Japan and I really enjoyed it. I have tattoos, so I can't go to a hot spring. So I always went to private hot springs and what the ones I really, really like is you go to a hotel, it has a bath on the balcony. So in the middle of winter, you get on the balcony, you get in the bath, you're sitting in the super cold, looking out over like uh, the seascape or mountains or something like that. It's really, really nice. But knowing someone was maybe videoing me would ruin that experience and I, I wouldn't do it again. These women have a right to not feel safe. It sucks. It sucks to take that away from other people And again, okay, this actually just shows how my mind works pornographically. Because I'm like, and the quality of the video is not very good. I'm all about video quality. (laughs) Which is really gross on my part. But at least I'm like, everyone consenting, get some good lighting, some makeup in there, make sure everyone's, you know, blemishes are taken care of, uh, do some post-production. That's my version of a good video. I'm like, these... Uh, janky <laughs> these janky like handheld videos just wouldn't do it for me uh, I want that Jay just put in you want that 8k 8k might be too much I don't want to zoom in on anything uh, I've never I've never liked the get right in there view for for pornography uh, and see the pores <laughs> yes I would like to see I like I like high definition I want to I want to be able to you know really fully understand what's going on. I feel gross now for me, even though I'm hopefully not saying anything that bad. I think consent is the the actually thing that makes it good for me, is everyone's having a good time. Okay, our last story. And of course, that means it's the grossest one. There was a, a, a teen girl comes back to her bicycle and finds that uh, someone has pooped on her bicycle seat. Uh, and then, weirdly, they found the guy really quickly. So I, I assume, again, there was video of the guy. that He was still in the area. They found the guy. She's a teenager. He's 28 years old. And they arrest him for vandalism. I'm hoping that girl doesn't use her poop seat anymore. But they arrest him for vandalism. Uh, and they say, like, why did you poop on this girl's seat? Uh, and he said it was because he liked her. There is a very weird segment of society that does not know how wooing works. So the I liked her 
was a series of steps in his head to say, how do I show her I like her? Ah, uh, well, I will show her my most intimate moment and present her with my own fecal matter by pooping on the seat of her bicycle. Which is fucking horrendous, really. But it's such an alien way of thinking. And I, again, Japan's gotten to this place where there's so many uh, people... One of the surveys we did a couple weeks ago was like people, uh, young people aren't dating, they're not having relationships. And I'm thinking maybe this is part of it. Like he, people don't know how to approach other people anymore. They don't know how to have human relationships. So maybe they learn this weird stuff from the internet or they, they like just got into this weird extreme in their head where like, I know what she'll like. She'll like my poop. Now that's the, that's the, uh, the sort of mental issues going on with the character involved. Uh, there's a physical one as well because the poop wasn't carried to the bicycle. It wasn't smeared on the bicycle. It was deposited on the bicycle seat. So if you think about a bicycle seat, even just an average one, it's gonna be let's say like three, four feet high. He had to get up above that, pull down his pants. This all has to be balanced. Target the seat and then freely poop onto the seat while balancing. This is like acrobatic stuff. If you said to me right now, Peter, there's a bicycle, I want you to poop on it, on the seat, and I want you to hit it, I don't think I could. So what happens now is terrifying. Jade just put in, I'm so quirky, I pooped on her seat. That is accurate. And Botman says, looking good, Chunk. I think you're probably looking at Dave right now, my buddy. Yeah, the last part, I've, we've done a couple poop stories. Ninja News Japan was actually conceived from a very complicated poop story. And uh, this one is sort of follows the same thing because I, the, the crime itself is, is terrible and awful and disgusting. I, I'm okay with that. The physics involved, I find fascinating, but they don't tell you where the bicycle was. So was it next to a fence? Did he balance on the fence and then poop on the bicycle? Did he balance on the bicycle and then poop on the bicycle seat? These are questions that we will never get answers to, but my mind reels at the possibilities of how physically capable this man must have been to poop on a bicycle seat, and yet how mentally incapable he was to realize that that would not help the women find him attractive. So you have maybe a balance of powers. He is physically weirdly capable but mentally incredibly deficient and that maybe is the problem with just modern society is the people who have one ability they seem to be completely lacking in others i don't know how to fix it if i'm being really honest weirdly my first thought was everyone should do judo because <laughs> that's what's helped me balance out my life maybe it'll work for everyone else i doubt it